You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, welcome to episode 132 of Push the Point, presented by the Mash Those Buttons Podcast Network, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more, and Overwatch 2 related news for season five of the Overwatch League in 2022. I'm your host, Ramses. Thanks for hanging out with us. Follow us on Twitter at pushpointpod, at Ramses underscore OW, at Labosco. Throw us an email, pushthepoint at gmail.com. Leave us a review, um, whatever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm Ramses. Like I said, I'm here with my buddy of what, four years of podcasting now at this point? That we're going into our fourth year. We're going the show. into we are our going yeah. into our fourth year. Is what? It was season two, uh, beginning of season two Labosco, yeah. when we met. Uh, yeah, I'm Labosco. Hello. Uh, Welcome back for our 132nd episode, which is crazy to think we're almost to 150. Um, we'll get to that by the end of the season, right? Um, that's kind of nuts. So, but but um, as far as, um, yeah, uh, four years almost. Uh, it'll be, I guess it's technically what? We just hit the fourth year? Because well, we, I think we're starting the fourth year, yeah. Yeah, we're starting the fourth year, correct, right our fourth season of covering the league together. How interesting. Yeah. Um, lots to talk about today. Uh, we kind of got three sections of the show. We're going to start off with some Overwatch 2 news. Um, kind of give you guys our general impressions of the beta so far. Uh, we'll get into the Overwatch League news from there. And then we'll wrap up, of course, with our ABK um, Activision Blizzard King Labor Roundup. Um, number one, Overwatch 2 beta released earlier this week. Uh, April 26th. Um lots of uh lots of consternation trying to get through. Uh Lovasco and I, neither one of us were in the first wave, or I guess in the first day of email releases, which uh was a very doomer mood to kind of go through, but yeah. um made it in on the streaming day. And um I think Lobosco, you go first. Give me your just your most broad strokes, your most vi- broad thought of your experience with the beta so far. So I, I've had fun playing the game again. Um, that is for sure. There's still some of the same frustrations you feel when you're playing 6v6, uh, just in different ways. Um, team is still important. Uh, people playing roles correctly is still important. Um, there's maybe some depth loss because you don't have the same sort of peeling because you don't have an off tank who's basically dedicated to that. So there are some changes as far as that's concerned. Um, this doesn't really feel like a second game. I remember seeing like the demo stuff back at BlizzCon. And that felt more like a separate game than this has felt to me from what we've gotten in this beta. Um, But it's so early on in the process, though, too. I don't think it's fair to judge this just yet, because this feels like a pretty early build of the game, even for the PvP side. So I don't want to judge it too harshly yet, but this is not feeling quite like a beta 
um, because it feels like there's a lot of things that are lacking from it. You don't even have the ability to look at career profiles or do anything like that, right? So I don't want to come down too hard onto it, but at the same time, there's a donkey video that that just came out too about the beta uh literally the same day as we're recording this and he talks about the beta as well and he says this feels more like a you know some people will, the, the the meme is over overwatch 1.5 but donkey goes to say this feels more like 1.1 than a 1.5 and i kind of agree with donkey on that sort of sentiments that's kind of what it feels like well, and the donkey stuff is fun because there is like a certain like joke bent to it. But like, I think it's a really fair point where part of it, I think, is the messaging with how this beta was put out. You've seen kind of like some snippets here and there. We're like, yeah, we're going to have multiple betas. Yeah. But like the way this is dropped, it made it sound like this is the beta. Like this is the product. And you're seeing some people, I think, have kind of warped expectations because of that. Stuff like, there's no ranked mode in here. Why is there no ranked? Like, it's the first beta. There will be more betas to come, with a, probably with a ranked mode, probably with changes to supports, probably with more characters added. Like, there are more things to come. Like you said, we can't judge it 100% based off of what's currently out. However, even though I am enjoying what's currently out, like you said, it's not... There is part of me that feels like there sh it, it is a 1.1. Yeah. It is someone's talked about. I saw some people tweet like this change is the amount of like changes that some games get like in a patch and that we've been waiting for like four years for. Yeah. And I mean, just just to sort of give you um, another way of looking at this objectively as well. Um, you had one and a half million people on day one. Right. Watching streams. Right. Consuming Overwatch content. Right. You know, we're, we're how many how many days out are we now? Like four? Four days, four days out, um, the the viewership and and now remember, they were having people play in the Overwatch category, not the Overwatch Two category. So, Overwatch is at eight point eight k viewers right now, and now I know it's not a peak time. It's late at night. Uh, it's ten o'clock on the West Coast when we're when we're recording this currently. Uh, However, Apex Legends currently has forty k right now. Right. We're not even going to discuss Valorant or League, but like try like it it is a fun like doomer thing to go through and just be like what other games have higher viewers than Overwatch it, League. It's not to be a doomer about it, but it's to put this in perspective, right? If you have interest in your game, you will keep viewership numbers, right? Um now the play numbers might be something different, right? Um there's definitely Community wise, I'm seeing people who are Overwatch one fans who are a little more reignited into wanting to play the game. Now, there's some people who are going to play the game anyways. Um, but like me personally, I actually kind of want to play the game again. Um, more than I I did before. No, but I was gonna say, but it, it's still not it's still not like beginning of Overwatch feeling. Of course, like. You saw even during that stream, I was happy to see that like it wasn't just like XQC and Pokimane and Asmongold that like had high viewership like. ML7 had really high numbers. Flats had a lot of really high numbers as well. Like Siegel was over 100,000. Yeah. He was like 132K. Dude, Siegel 
it was awesome to see that you talk about consuming overwatch content like we had between overwatch one and overwatch two because some people still streamed under overwatch two um we had i think over a million people who are watching streams concurrently and one and a half yeah and now that we're like some of that of course was going to go down once everybody got that beta key four hours in however it like it is still a testament like okay i think there's been enough of like the hype over it or people have consumed it enough that we're already onto the phase of like, okay, what's next? Because the viewership once again is back down. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a little disappointing to see. You'd want to see a little bit more retention than what they're getting. Um, I haven't looked to see if people's numbers, I, I actually just saw a cursed person in that list too. I'm surprised that I didn't even know they still streamed. Um, but the, that you you would have liked to have seen the numbers be a little bit higher than what they are right now, right? I'm not saying that you want them to be up there with Valorant, but just you know somewhere where I don't have to scroll down to find Overwatch would have been nice. Yes, that would have been good. Um, I will say the game feels really good, uh, for the most part. People, the main so going category by category, DPS feel about the same. A couple of people have had some reworks, like Bastion plays very differently now. The stuns are much different. Um, I was antagonizing Labosco last night with uh, the magnetic grenade that Cassidy has now, where you can just all you have to do is hit one shot and just tag the grenade on somebody and you usually I kill mean, them. Um, I don't think you really antagonized me, but if that's what you think happened, that's fine. Bothering, I'm bothering sure, is the better word. Babe, I was pedally really, bothering you. Really. Um, there's that tank feels really good. Um, Arissa's super fun to play, way more fun than she's been in past iterations. Ryan, I was telling Lobo this. Reinhardt feels the best that he's felt for me in years. Like the brawling's way more fun. The sound effects we were talking about before, like them redoing all the sound, you can he- you can hear it. It sounds so much heavier and so much better. Reinhardt feels good. Um, there is still kind of a weird balance, like after Reinhardt and Orisa, like kind of where you go from there. How like the less like straightforward brawly tanks, it's kind of figuring out how for me at least how those work in the game. Uh Sojourn's pretty fun. I'm garbage at her, but like she's fun. I know um Surefor had a tweet where like Sojourn's not in the great spot right now because you get outpaced decently quickly as far as like damage potential. You get outpaced a lot. Um the railgun doesn't feel very um rewarding um it feels like you miss headshots was something that he said and it's something as somebody who's played a decent amount definitely not as much as him of sojourn i definitely agree with a lot of what he was saying about how sojourn feels but i'll give you the the exact tweet here uh sojourn either needs a railgun to charge faster or a change to her ultimate because it feels like she just gets outpaced by other more consistent options. And if you think about consistent DPS, you think of like things like Soldier, um, Ash, you know, things where you can continually be putting out damage. I think Ash, because there's a lot less that can deal with her dynamite, um, that's why she feels so much better right now because it's a lot harder to deal with something like that. So again, more consistent options being the key difference between like a Sojourn and I think Tracer kind of falls in the Sojourn category a little bit more um, because, so you know, Tracer's a lot more bursty than she is consistent damage. Not that you can't do consistent damage, but usually by the time you're doing consistent damage from Tracer, the enemy team has turned around and killed you, right? Um, 
there isn't that same amount of peel. So if you're a good tracer, you can probably get the kill kill off. Higher, you know, higher skill players will probably have a lot easier of a time than lower skill players with stuff like tracer and that. And that's I think one of the big things that we're gonna see here in Overwatch League is like right now for like the casual fan, it might feel like these like more brawly style comps are the better comps, but it might be the other way around. Um, but he I've does seen, say, yeah, I've seen people be like, dude, when we hit double sniper meta, this game's going to be horrible. <laughs> I mean, we might we might already hit it off the bat. Who knows? Um, her uh, <laughs> this is another thing Sureforce said we didn't mention. Um, I, I already mentioned the railgun headshot. He, he said this as well. Headshot on railgun feels like RNG at times. And then the last thing he says is her ultimate is actually trash. Uh, better if she just had three of like three to five charges uh, as like an ultimate, I guess, is what he's saying. Uh, it, it's funny, too, because I was watching Stir and Stir was talking about how like in the developer um, video for Sojourn, they showed like a more fun version of Sojourn's ultimate. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, so you showed us something that's more fun, but then didn't give it to us. Why did you do that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's Blizzard for you. I'm still I think I put this on Twitter earlier this week. I'm still waiting for someone to because like for Bastion, now you have like the mortar strike for your ultimate and the time you have to like time it like pin perfectly. But I'm waiting for someone to deflect a Genji deflect a Bastion mortar ultimate into a Bastion at some point. Oh, you didn't see the video? It's out oh, there I posted already. It, yeah, no, I mean, sorry, yeah, I was in Overwatch League. I want to see that. Um, oh, I mean, that's if they I don't know if Bastion's going to get played in Overwatch League because he's just a giant, easy target to, to focus down. Um, the main complaint otherwise I've seen was people being very critical as far as how supports are, what's up, what's there is for supports right now. Tank got a couple reworked characters um, and there's only one person picking out of, I think, eight. Um, and then eight or nine, I don't remember. And then DPS, like I said, more than support. Yeah, more than support. Um, the main complaint from supports has been like there's no new content for supports. Um, there's also kind of been a forced change in play style because like the lack of peeling, like you said. So you're being rewarded more for playing, for taking more advantage of natural cover, taking that second to high just to re up your health. And so the self generation kicks in. I think some people don't necessarily vibe with that play style as much. Um, there is like I still think there is definitely merit to what is to the complaint as far as the lack of new content for supports. But. Again, if the messaging were correct, this would be different. This is the first beta. There are more characters coming. I would be very confident mage wagering that the next one's going to be a support. Um, well, here here's the thing. It's not that there's a lack of peeling. It's now that you don't really have somebody who's dedicated to peel, right? So in 6v6, your off tank was your sort of dedicated. It was, you know, your divas and, and everything else. And, and their main job was sort of to be the protector of your supports, right? You don't have that anymore in 5v5. So peeling changes. It's not that it's gone. It's just that the way that it worked in Overwatch 1 is not it just the, the role is gone, right? So that has to change as a whole, right? It becomes you know, a little bit more maybe of a team oriented thing, or maybe you have a DPS player who who plays more protector now than you do a a um, an off tank, right? Or maybe even your main tank now has to try and play both roles a little bit, right? So obviously pro play is going to dictate how that ends up going. I don't know what direction it's going to go in yet, 
But I think one thing for sure that we can see is that supports that have escapability, supports that have ways to um, stay alive longer are going to be more of an asset because as a support, you are on such an island. So it has become harder to play the position as a mm -hmm. result. I, I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, we will keep an update with it. I don't know how long this beta is going to last, at least another week, because uh, we'll talk about it later, about some Overwatch League updates or inclusions for the beta. But first thoughts, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Um, I don't know if I'm the kind of person who's able to grind the game as much as I used to be able to, but playing it with friends, um, playing it with a group of people that I enjoy playing with, it's super fun. Yeah. Happy to again. I mean, honestly, though, like, was Overwatch 1 not that for you, though, with friends, like, people who wanted to play it? I mostly, I think, got to the point where I... Game nights are a different thing, but I think I just soured myself so much on it that, like by the time near my end of near like November, which was the last time I played, I just wasn't even having fun during playing, so playing ranked at all. Right. But that's so one thing. Right. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like in groups, you, you've, you still felt that way in overwatch one. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Um, I think those problems that you're talking about with overwatch one, when like the solo experience and stuff like that, as of right now, I think that will continue to be the case. So, I don't think that experience has changed yet, um, in my opinion. So I think that you will find that if you were to try and play by yourself and do that sort of thing, even now, regardless, you know, if you were in that more of a mindset like you were before, I think you would find it similar to how you felt in Overwatch 1. Um, you might have a little bit more fun playing Reinhardt, but I think the same frustrations will still um, show themselves. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's a point from the donkey video almost is that like there's so de like there's still a lot of dependence on team play. And though it feels like with tank, your job is a little bit less like a tiny bit less team dependent. It's still very much. It's still very much about the synchronicity between players. Yeah, I mean, you you are now the only big target to heal. So like if your healers can't even do that, that's rough. Um but I, I think any sort of solo queue experience is going to still be a rough go, regardless of how good you are at the game. I mean, I feel like I feel like um, during one of the games we played for one of the game nights we, we did this past weekend, I felt that a lot um, because there was a clear skill gap between the team, one team and the team I was on. Like all of the best players were in and like, you know, as you, as you play in those game nights and, and like those pugs, you, you know who the best players are and those who are not quite as skilled. And that's just the way it goes, right? Not everybody's going to be at the same skill level. And, you, you know, no matter how much I did, I, I had more kills than everybody in the game. I had more, you know, more damage, more eliminations. Both teams didn't matter, though. We weren't winning the game, mm -hmm. right? Like, it was just too Like, you cannot solo carry in the game. And especially if this the other team is that much better than everybody else on your team. And I wasn't even better than I was probably not better than everybody on the other team either. But I was just having a good game. Yeah, the snowball potential is still definitely there. But um, yeah. Anyways, on to uh, our Overwatch League coverage for the beginning of season five. See, um, teams are pretty much locked in for most schedules. 
I'm sorry, for most rosters, but we got a couple last minute additions and subtractions. Um, quick note, uh, Choi Sehwan of the Choi Sehwan, I, I always add the Juan part at the end, but Choi Sehwan, a DPS player for Guangzhou Charge. Uh, there was an announcement at the beginning of April that uh, he was currently, uh, re- he had returned to South Korea um, for a treat for treatment and a further diagnosis of an ongoing chronic injury. Um, he's going to still be training and playing online subject to kind of how he good does. Um, they've been in contact with them. Like there's been a lot of cooperation about the whole thing. So glad to hear that. It sounds like they're taking care of him for the most part, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it is a little bit of a blow to that team. Um, as far as, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not as like familiar with the roster. I don't know if he would be your starting guy, but it is a little bit of a blow to not have him there in person. Yeah, it definitely hurts them. Um, I think he was going to be a starter. I don't see why he wouldn't have been. Like, who would have been starting over Choi Sewan on their team? Um, I, I mean, maybe, maybe develop. I don't know. Develop. Um, <laughs> I thought it would have been him and Eileen. So that is a little bit rough to me for them. Um. He's one of the few carryovers from previous seasons other than like Rio and Krong, right? So. Uh, Eileen's still on there. But that's it. You know, everybody else is, uh, you know, end of last season, you know, developing unique or new. Molly is new. Um, So Mm. I I think this could hurt them a little bit, um, especially depending on what they end up seeing as like the most important DPS. I'm still not a hundred percent sure on that. I, you know, it's not like we get to watch any scrims or anything, but um, DPS are definitely more important now in five V five. So he is definitely a bit of a loss for however long Mm -hmm. he's not going to be able to be fully with the team. Um, April was a busy month for the Florida Mayhem. There was a couple moves, actually. I realized they didn't have one of them on here. So um, at the beginning of the month, uh, they announced that they had picked up Kariv as an additional flex support. Um, Kariv, of course, known for time with the LA Valiant, um, a little bit of time with the Toronto Defiant as well. Um, played a little bit with Guangzhou last year. He's kind of just somebody who's been around the league a bunch. Always like pretty good, kind of on the higher level of journeyman, but never like kind of breaking firmly into like the upper level. Um, so Kariv has joined the team. I think Albert, the um, GM for Florida had made pretty much made it clear that they're bringing him in um, as kind of, they work with Sir Majid's um, Majid, their current flex support as they kind of work with his visa process, bringing him in um, from, I think uh, from, from Saudi Arabia, Asia, yeah. um, the Middle East. Although yeah, Saudi I think he was yeah. in Saudi Arabia so, still. So, so they're working on bringing him out. In the meantime, they brought over Kariv. I think that's fine. Good call. Kariv, somebody who you know is, will at least do, will at least perform decently. Like he's not going to be an active detriment. Yeah, he, most of the he's time still, um, I think when you think of Kariv, you probably think of what? Like, w- what is the hero you think of him most for? Yeah. And Anna. Anna might end up being like super important in, um, Maybe one of the most important, right? As far as mm-hmm. healers go, because she has the sleep and the anti-nade, which can be super helpful, especially with the amount of healing that can be outputted by teams with with um the state that Moira seems to kind of be in where she seems like 
she might be the best healer again. So an Anna might be very important depending on what teams are thinking. Um, so having a guy like Kariv on your team might just be a benefit just from that standpoint alone if Anna is as important as Anna might be. Plus, you have him there to play double flex just in case. Um, April 18th, it was announced that uh, Mirror, a uh, flex DPS player formerly with the Glads, um, was going to be leaving the team. They um, Albert also made a tweet about this where I think he was talking about the like, not nothing at all with um skill or any sort of deficiency, but more that um when they were looking at where they were wanting to go for DPS, they decided that they'd wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction. And when you looked at who else they have, I mean Checkmate, Hydron, uh both good guys, but I think it it felt clear that there was probably a little bit of um some space, or I guess a little bit of um some heroes that weren't gonna be covered by those two guy by those three guys with mirror. Um Mirror is kind of like your jack of all trades guy. Can play stuff well, but is not necessarily like an elite player on anything really. Um, April twenty second, they did announce that Exe was joining the team. Uh, Exe, of course, from that Element Mystic core from a couple years ago. Dallas Fuel more um, recently last year played a bunch of the year. Well, I'm sorry, no, played in um, played for Paris. Was awesome. Moved to Dallas um had um some surgery had some uh, medical issues that prevented him from playing last year was not able to join the team so this is his re his return back to the overwatch league and it's just kind of funny to me that it's on the florida mayhem of all yeah places. i'm i'm happy for eggsy though he was a player that i was ex very excited for when he was joining the fuel um it's unfortunate that he did have the medical problems that he did that kind of kept him from being a part of that team because i really think that he could have been the piece that put him over the top last year. So I'm happy to see that that whatever was ailing him, they, they've gotten under control, right? Whatever the issues were that he's able to play now. So I'm happy for him for that. And I'm excited to see him join this roster that, you know, might not be a bad roster in Florida. It, it does seem like there's some decent potential there, um, a player like him. And again, there's certain players that I think are going to become more valuable uh, now that we're moving to a 5v5, especially after getting my hands on the game and playing for a little bit. And guys like Eggsy, who have this insane aim, who can two-tap guys with no problems, who don't have to worry about shooting through shields as much anymore. like Guys like that, I think, are going to become more and more valuable as the uh, league progresses in the 5v5 world. It'll be awesome to see him. I think this definitely moves the team from like being, I, I kind of saw this for with a lot of people where it moves the team from being kind of towards the lower end for a lot of people to like putting them into solid, like mid-level. I, I thought they were going to be decent. I just think now that they, you know, even, even when they had Mir, I still liked the team. I think that adding somebody like Eggsy does make you a lot better. Um, it, there's, the biggest thing is how is this all going to come together? Uh, how are these players, mm -hmm. you know, it's another mixed roster. How are you going to integrate players of multiple different languages? I do think that is something that is important, um, but I do like the makeup of their team. And I think that they do have like some, you know, very solid foundational pieces that they are going to be building around. 
Uh, work, moving on to the Philadelphia Fusion. Uh, they just announced a couple days ago. They're adding um, another T1 player. So this is another promotion from their, uh, from the contenders team. They have a pro they, um, well, wait, so Philadelphia is org. I think just straight up owns T1, correct? Yes. They, they're the, they're the yeah. same org. Um, I don't know how they're structured. So they might be structured a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, they're like part of the same everything. So, so, uh, Phil, uh, Philadelphia Fusion announced they were promoting a um their a main tank player from T1 and Belos Rey. Um, I am not at all familiar with this guy, but um, mostly specializes in your main tanks, your Reinhardt, your Winston, your Wrecking Ball. Uh, this is I think a good it's a good way to just to cover some of those bases. That way, you while like I think we're all pretty confident that Fury can probably flex to those heroes if needed, if that's the situation. Having somebody who primarily plays those heroes. I think is a good call just so that you can have Fury focusing on what he's best at. And and from what I remember some people saying, um, apparently Wrecking Ball might be meta. So if you have somebody who's pretty good on that, might not be a bad thing to have. Somebody who's like a little bit more dedicated than Fury. I mean, I think somebody with Fury's skill set might transition well into what Overwatch is turning into, but I don't think it hurts to have somebody like that on your team, especially if they can beat out Fury or Fury can learn how their style is and then take it into his own. Like that's the ideal world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we know Fury can play the Orisa, but I think not having to make him flex onto the Winston or the Reinhardt is probably a good call as well. Yeah, exactly. So I am definitely more than okay with them. I think it's smart for a team to do this. If you're not 100% sure, it's the role that's changed. Like, of all the roles that's changed, Tank is the one that's changed the most. So uh, cover your bases there more than any other. And I think maybe support, you should be covering your bases a little bit too because mm -hmm. um, I think supports are going to have a really interesting go here in, in uh, the new age of the game. Another move that's a little bit stranger, in my opinion, uh, the NYXL announced that they were adding Vulcan, who's a... Uh, Typically an off-tank player, I think. Um, spent some time with uh, Altiora, Odyssey, Solaris. Um, so it's... It, it, I say it's weird because this is the first Western player this team has ever added. Um, and they're still running a primarily all-Korean roster. So it, it, it kind of hit a lot of people in that field because you go for a team that has, what... It's a team that has Flora, Yaki, Kellen, Gangnam Jin, Myungbong, and Vulcan. So you do wonder a little bit how, like, what the dynamic is going to be there. You do, but, like, as far as, like, tank players go, this is a pretty good one. Uh, Vulcan is definitely a very good player. Like, I remember him from, like, his phase two days and stuff. Um, I think he also played on Odyssey. Like, he played on a bunch of different teams. Uh, that have had some some pretty good success. Um, I think when he was on Odyssey, they won one of the contenders like uh, months or whatever or seasons. So he he's a player who's competed at a pretty high level. Um, I think that as far as like picks to do, this is not a bad one. And it's not like there aren't teams that have done this before. So it's not like it can't be done, you know. But it, at the same time, it's how you integrate 
the player in. So um, New York Excelsior doesn't have the experience of other teams as far as doing this, but they do have a multilingual staff. They have been a, you know, one of the important things for them has always been um, having players speak English who are, who are Korean. Like you think about all of the stuff that they did with um, the previous iterations of NYXL. And if they're already able to do that with other staff, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do it with a player. And, you know, really it's about learning certain callouts and some callouts are universal, mm -hmm. right? So, so it's not like it's completely impossible for something like this to happen. Yeah. I think it just was not something any of us ever expected. So. I mean, I don't know why people think that like, if there's a player good enough to be on your roster, you put them on your roster, you know, just because you have a Korean base, as far as the talent on your team, that doesn't mean you can't add it in other pieces that maybe put you over the edge onto your team who speak a different language or are not Korean. Um, I think that is uh, like, if you're thinking of it from a professional point of view, that should never stop you, right? Does that stop an NHL team from getting somebody from Europe or Russia ever? Even if the guy doesn't speak a excuse me, speak a lick of English? No. Uh, MLB, how many players are there that don't speak any English? Now, I know baseball is a lot easier of a sport because there's not the communication level of something like Overwatch, but basketball is the same way. Like, there's so many different sports esports where they do this um to think that we can't do it in overwatch i think is just very nearsighted thinking uh earlier in april the london spitfire had announced they were releasing provide uh from their team provide was a we kind of talked about this a couple of months ago provide was a flex support player that um had a little bit of controversy about him a couple for most of his career uh somebody who was i think initially signed for a couple different teams um and who was so initially signed to the valiant but then released uh when everything happened with that team um and spence uh formally played under the name slur um in his previous kind of career um kind of made this whole redemption story to get back into the league after really kind of going out there to prove that he was um to prove that his he had changed behavior um, and then from what I remember, it was from Liz, I think, had posted something earlier in April about um, somebody accusing him of um, inappropriate messages with uh, somebody under the age of 18. Yeah, I, I don't even remember what exactly was said, but. Yeah, there's a tweet from Spitfire. We were recently made aware of a code of conduct violation involving one of our contracted players. Provide. We've mutually parted ways to provide effective immediately following the results of an internal investigation. We are actively seeking out a replacement support player to complete our roster, and we will share an update on this process with our fans as soon as we can. Thank you for your patience as we looked into the matter and for holding us accountable. Yeah, I, I meant so more of what was like the things that were said between the, him and the other person. I know that that was kind of out there or whatever. Uh, but the the person, you know, when your name is slur, I think that already kind of, you know, gave warning flags. But the fact that then he he does some of this other stuff, you know, post redemption, mm -hmm. right, I think is kind of one of the telltale things of, OK, this is not good. So. 
you know, this is what teams do. This is every league, uh, every sport. You take chances on players and it either works out and they really change their ways or it burns you like it has here for the London Spitfire. They went out and got um, another player to kind of fill that gap instead. Um, another flex support player uh, named Landon. Um, I heard a lot of good stuff from people um, like uh, our boy, Big Hungry Phil, uh, about him. Uh Formerly played European contenders with Ardor, Solaris, Young and Beautiful, Dark Mode. Well, Dark Mode and NA. I take that back. Not European contenders, just contenders in general. Um, but yeah, somebody who has like a decent amount of um, yeah, decent amount of hype, some g- a good amount of interest in them. Um, people seemed pretty excited about this, relatively for like what it could have been. Yeah, and somebody, you know, and 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 not somebody who who um has done you know Mm -hmm. had a checkered past right so that that makes it it's a lot easier to get behind good people than it is people who are you know redemption everybody does like a redemption story too but if the redemption story like it never really felt like they kind of feel like oh this guy is at times okay so he's just getting a chance now oh okay yeah i was like uh, you know there was i i think one of the things that that makes you believe a redemption story more is when somebody is like doing going above and beyond to mm-hmm. redeem themselves right like you can never there are certain things you never can fully redeem yourself from but if at least you're doing everything in your your power to to change and to be a different person and you make it obvious it's definitely looked at in a different way from somebody who um, doesn't really do anything. And like, if they are making changes, you don't know, like, like there is something to have an outward appearance of it, but also to not just do the bare minimum, but to go beyond. Right. I think that's, that's the difference between somebody who genuinely wants to get better Mm -hmm. and somebody who is just doing it because they have to. So I think at this point, you, you didn't really have that anyways. So I'm happy for somebody else who's deserving of the opportunity to get it. The, the toughest thing here is that, like, nobody knows what London's going to be. I know a lot of people have London near the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is a signing that changes that. So, like, glad for a player getting their opportunity to, to show yeah. on the big stage. I don't, this doesn't put but them up either way, I think. Um, the Bosco... Some news we got to talk about. I know you and I, we told we dropped this on you during uh, Pugs a couple days ago. Um, but. Uh, and it, so there's news been we knew that might happen. And then earlier this month that Chengdu, the Chengdu hunters were in. OK. We've talked about this many times in the show that they're. Whenever, whenever teams talk about having money troubles for a team whenever they talk about having budget troubles it is not because the team no longer has the money to be able to do this it is because the team has decided they no longer want to spend that amount of money for a roster we heard rumblings earlier this month right. that um there were go- there was going to be significant budget shakeups for the Chengdu hunters um that several players were going to be on the chopping block that they were moving away from their previous budget for that team and looking towards having a much cheaper, less expensive team, um, less big team. 
And uh, there were some different rumors going around. I know people immediately thought like, oh, well, Leave's going to go somewhere, right? Like Leave has to be the most expensive contract. Like they're going to get rid of Leave because he's the biggest money drop in the bucket. Um, we were told there were a couple of players that were on the chopping block uh, a couple days ago. We finally actually got some confirmation about that. So Chengdu pretty much did this by announcing what their roster is. Um, we know that uh, Yao Ji is going to be coach. Uh, Gaga is still your primary tank. They did add another player named Daisy or Daisy, unless I'm pronouncing that correctly, incorrectly, uh, who's a off tank player known for first fabulous, known first time on first fabulous fighter and team chaser. Um, but yeah, you have Gaga, not Daisy or Daisy on tanks, uh, leave and Jinmu on DPS and then Nisha and monk on your supports. Um, they got, they have announced that they released, uh, Aprita, who was a contenders DPS with a lot of hype, a Prita, I'm sorry, with a lot, who was a contenders player with a lot of hype coming Prita. into the season, uh, far away, 1987, your boy, um, who had some really good showings this last year and evil tall who, uh, kind of wasn't much of a factor last year, but, um, yes, had a role. Had a place, had a mm -hmm. place, you know, what, maybe the best mercy. So in the world, you know, or one of the best, you know, I, I, wasn't it Yvettel who, who, um, absolutely, or no, was it somebody on Shanghai who Yaki had the, the reaction of reactions right um like i can't remember if it was if it was yavetel or if it was somebody on shanghai regardless you know yavetel's that kind so, of caliber of player that's it's the point Ron we Mercer. were talking about whether a roster goes up or down with these kinds of moves this does feel like definitely a small like a slight downgrade for chengdu um i think for for as great as monk was last season Farway definitely had moments where he was at the same pace or even slightly better at times. Um, Farway was definitely not somebody you want. Like Farway would not have been a uh, was not a downgrade for Monk. Like this was statistically a really was good better, player. by the way. Um, Prita was a DPS player out of Chinese contenders who had a lot of hype behind him. Um, people were really excited to see him come in and play. And now your DPS line goes from being really scary to being pretty good like okay leave is an mvp you're not like leave is gonna do fine um we actually were having concerns about you and i were talking about um the issues with jim moose hero pool that come into play then in a 5v5 format like the jim moose sombra if you remember <laughs> the horror stories of it yeah um jim again on his specific heroes his genji his doomfist his farah excellent player um but is he someone who's going to be able to who you is he someone who is going to be able to fill the rest of those heroes to a similar level i don't think so no not i mean a prita a prita there's a reason why a prita was hyped up as much as a prita was right so the fact that you're losing out on that is a massive loss uh it, it it's just both of them hurt like for me like like watching two guys who i thought you know i i personally got to call their games uh in a prita and far away 1987 uh you know i thought this was going to be the year for for 1987 in 2022 um even in 5v5 i think he probably still would be pretty good um 
definitely more so was excited for a Prita because he was finally getting his chance. And now he's just not even, you know, I hope he gets on a roster. You know what I mean? This is the problem with different regions a little bit sometimes, and we don't fully have it as a global esport the way we want. Um, and especially with the state of the world right now, the only chance we have of seeing a, a Pridam more than likely is if one of the teams in China or 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 Seoul picks him up, right? So it's really rough right now to know that a player of that caliber is not kind of just waiting in the wings, probably going to go back to tier two and deserves to be in Overwatch. What if this were a couple of months ago, like where teams were still picking up players? Like he definitely gets a spot somewhere. But now like Hangzhou has like how many DPS players at this point? Like, I don't know if Seoul would take him. Like Seoul might take him, but like you don't know about that. Shanghai is pretty solid. Like Shanghai solid. They don't need anybody. Guangzhou might take him. That's the only place I see him really going. Yeah, exactly. That that's the thing, right? Like, if none of those places take him, I would hope that a Western roster would consider him, because again, you should be taking the best players available, and he's one of the best. If you're like making a list of of DPS not signed who are the best and could help your team immediately, a Prita is on the short list. Mm -hmm. I think I think then it just becomes an issue with visa stuff about whether or not you'd be able to you would be able to get him in on on a short enough notice to make it worth it. And yeah. And, and who knows with that stuff right now, right? Like I don't, I don't know how difficult visa stuff is right now, but then again, if he's not necessarily going to be fully with your team, but if, even if he's with your team, when you go to certain events, he could still be a, a boost for your team. You know what I mean? Um, I, it, it's so complicated and it's so weird and it just sucks for him because now and and this is this is a frustrating thing for me too now i don't know how i'm pretty sure overwatch league contracts are fully guaranteed though right correct me if i'm wrong i don't even remember i believe anymore. i, I thought like that they switched were. around so much it's hard to remember oh that's right they've switched so much they used to be i don't think they are anymore and this is this is the other frustrating thing for me right because this is a guy who thought he was you know making decent money working as an overwatch league player and now he's out of it completely where is he going to be making money now yep i mean unless he was streaming before earlier i don't necessarily know what happens on that end i mean he might be okay with stream but regardless of that you shouldn't have your play you shouldn't be this is what's frustrating about some of the contract stuff and this is something why i've been so you know much about it is that these things happening are frustrating and interestingly enough it looks like a pretty and i also share a birthday not same year but same day so well that's pretty cool very cool um so going from there a couple more pieces of news uh the la valiant added a hawker or haker i have to imagine it's hawker um, to the team a couple days ago. Um, he was described to us as a Sombra one trick, if I remember correctly. Which, if Sombra is important, might not be a bad signing. Um, played, I know he played and won, I believe he won contenders. Um, 
Yeah, with LG the, too, yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a good signing. I think LA Valiant is a dark horse team that could really surprise some people if they're not prepared for them. Um, I think that they've added some pretty good pieces. Um, do I think they're going to be world beaters? No, but man, are they going to be a better team than you saw last year? It's funny. I've already seen the people Overwatch League Twitter is ridiculous, but I've already seen the people who are all big into like the super season and like the so-and-so season memes have all now moved on to the no hill season and the assassin season movement. People want to see this Valiant team like do well. So I think having that kind of support will be a really good thing for them. Um, well, how could you not? How can you not want to see Dia? Oh, no, I'm right there with like you. Like of all the players, Dia is the one. You know what I mean? But like, if you want to, if you want to have your memes, if you want to talk about a player, if you want to do your things like that, if you want to, if you want to be overly excited for somebody, the redemption arc of Dia in Overwatch League should be number one storyline for you then. Because this is a man who's been waiting patiently, who's proven himself, who with the team he was on, Contenders China, beat the crap out of Contenders Korea teams when they had their gauntlet. Like, this is a guy who has deserved this opportunity for so long after re just just going back and going through the grind like that is the guy that i'm most hoping really gets his chance to shine um a couple more things before we get into the the um abk roundup uh they did announce that um if you didn't get your overwatch 2 beta key uh during the stream or from the email no worries uh they're going to be releasing beta keys during opening weekend um 1,500 beta keys released per hour. So watch during opening weekend um, to get a chance to get access to the beta. Come hang out. Come join us. Uh, I think they, let me see how they made it specifically. Opening weekend. Um, yeah, 1,500 beta codes during each hour of the Overwatch League broadcast beginning at 12 p.m. Pacific time each day. You have to watch one hour of the broadcast to be eligible and are only eligible for the drops at the end of any hour in which you watch. Link your Battle.net account. Um, English, French, and Korean broadcasts are all eligible. You also receive five tokens per hour. Nice. Um, so we got that. There's your chance to get in the beta there. Um, also, the biggest news of the week, uh, Overwatch League Pick'ems now finally available on the mobile app, which, um, if I remember correctly, the Bosco, it was like they hadn't even when we checked last season, they hadn't even like updated the app in like a year and a half almost. <laughs> yeah, the it was like, oh, the app does it does it exist anymore? Do they care yeah. about it anymore? Um, that's like um, there's that one that Flashpoint League or whatever in CSGO. Do you remember so. that? Remember all the talks of that? I don't know if that league exists anymore. Oh, the one that Monty was, that was the running, one? Right? I think it might have been the one that he was running. It was the one that like Monty and um that one that one guy were yeah, all running. I think so. Uh like I looked at their Twitter like uh just a little bit ago and like the last post was from like months ago. And I'm like, oh, does Yeah, from August. Yeah, I was like, does 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 that not exist anymore? I'd never even heard I never saw a news articles saying that they were shutting the league down or anything. So I don't know. There's kind of goofy stuff with that. That's been that happens all the time. But yeah, it, it is kind of funny that like, oh, yeah, it, it's still there. We're still using it, apparently. And it's like, OK, well, I, I think I still have it on my phone. Uh, I think it's one of those things where it's on my phone. But it's not installed like I have to read. Yeah, it again. who knows if it's updated, right? 
if you if you're in chat and you have the Overwatch League app, let us know because I don't. I feel like I went from like using it all the time to where like I it's just yeah. there. Exactly. I never. Well, I. I think I used it a couple times just to try and watch games when I was like. I used to use it to watch games to um, to get the drops then, right. That was yeah. the only reason I ever used it was to get the drops. That was it. Otherwise, I didn't really care. Um, but because you, it was like the only way to get drops for a little bit. Um, because you couldn't give because this was like post Twitch. And there's like that gap where it was like, oh, you have to watch it through the Overwatch League website or this way. And you can get drops like you couldn't get drops on YouTube. I was using it to watch it like at work and stuff. Um, or just have it on my phone so I could get like the drops. We will see, man. I am. Maybe we get even more content for the app. Who knows? Maybe. Also, did you see that like this? So the the league stores back up, but like they don't have any new merch, probably. I don't think so, but it's also like some of the teams don't have. I, don't th I think it was that some of the teams still don't have like individual merch stores. I just remember there being I don't know how you don't have like, have like, like literally like one of the way that that esports teams are making money is through merchandising. Right, you look at like the success of a hundred thieves, and um, what's the other one? Like a hundred thieves is basically a clothing company right now, right? Like obviously they have their esports teams, mm -hmm. but like the 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 thing that's making the money is like their 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 merch drops. Like I know their merch drop that they just had the other day like sold out in like two minutes. It looks like so. I'm looking at the fuel website right now. And it looks like everything that isn't a jersey is on sale well, the, by a lot. This is the time when it makes sense because like all your new merch is about to hit the store. Ooh, Labasco, we got to get you. There's two of these. What, we got to get, get me. There's a tie dye fuel fighting sweater. Oh, that's actually kind of nice. Hoodies. I've There's never seen hoodies. this hoodie. I, I like this. And then this one, the you cherry blossom one. You know, part of why I'm happy that I liked the Dallas fuel that like, um, that, that uh, the roster that I paid attention to before this was Envy turned into Dallas because blue is my favorite color. Um, so like blue stuff is right up my alley. And like I I'm more of a darker blue kind of a person, but like that tie dye one, I really like um, even the I do like lighter blues as well. Um, and and the, the lighter like Sakura one I do like is like two like uh, FlyQuest jersey when they had like the Sakura stuff for for theirs i don't know if you ever saw those for league of legends i've talked about them before on on push the point but i'm gonna talk about them again because they were really cool it's so i'm looking at it right now it looks like a lot of the teams right now don't have their own like the individual merch stores are all closed except for like like we just saw with the dallas one like houston doesn't have anything available except for their stupid freaking bamf tier where um you pay 75 bucks and the outlaws Twitter follows you apparently. What? Um, Are you serious? So they, <laughs> okay. Side note. There's from what I've been told, that's what it was. Um, no sold out. Oh, this is from 2021. The Banff squad deadlock tier. It's a limited amount of charter spots are left for this exclusive upgrade to the outlaws VIP fan club. Uh, you get, a premium loot box of some kind of merch, VIP event access, a follow back on socials and more <laughs> follow back from. OK, but like I'm looking at the Houston Outlaws Twitter 
and they followed 263 people. And looking at the list of people, it's all like esports people. people. Like I don't see any like people's deadlock, people's Banff club membership is up, dude. I, That's just how it works. I don't see anyone who's like this is John Overwatch and he's a really big fan of the Houston Outlaws. Uh, you know, and he lives, you know, 30 minutes outside of Houston and he's super stoked that he's going to get followed he's followed by the 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 Houston Outlaws Twitter. Like I don't see anybody like that on this list so far uh maybe ivan alizakov yeah here's one there would be more than like two though this is something a lot of people would have gotten jumped on the bad wagon for let's see there's like three or four where it's like just because i'm going through i feel like if i skimmed through i could find probably like 10 or 15 no because because generally this goes in the order that they followed somebody so if this was something recently that they did, it'd be somewhere near the top more than likely. Oh, well, this is from December 2021, I think is one. I don't know. Man. Well, that's four months ago, five months ago. It's still not that long ago. It's you still... know what I mean? Like, come on. No, no, they didn't. They didn't follow any of these people. <laughs> or at least they haven't yet. Oh, man. Uh, you know, as soon as the season was over, they're like, unfollow everybody. <laughs> That could have been that too. Who knows? All right, let's get into our ABK roundup before we wrap up for tonight. Um, pretty busy month, all things considered. Um, I think we ended last episode talking about how um, pretty much um, Activision Blizzard King um, executives put out a statement saying that they were going to be walking back vaccination requirements across all the studios. Um, and pretty soon after that, um there after a lot of protests from people working at the company as well as outside protest um abk announced that they were going to be giving the decision making for that back to um, studio heads um leaving each studio kind of decide for themselves so it's a closer step i think it was definitely celebrated like it was like the right thing i don't think it totally fixes everything or makes everything okay but it's a little bit closer it still seems like there's still significant work from home problems for that or just staff safety problems for that company in general yeah there's still a lot that needs to be done that's why the you know a better apk is still a thing right yep oh they're still they're still doing plenty of stuff um we got that um there was a pretty big victory um there's a pretty big victory in april as well um abk they announced that a activision blizzard king had converted it was over it was i think a thousand one hundred um quality assurance testers um across all their different companies to from contract work to full-time employment and had also raised their wages up to 20 dollars per hour um it's a first of all like wage wage raise awesome um converting these people's jobs to actually being secure full-time like regular employment even better Mm -hmm. um talk hearing opinions from people this is a step in the right direction uh it still is not enough uh, according to a lot of people to still live reasonably securely in like the area in like orange county where activision blizzard where blizzard is situated yeah and i area yeah um it also excludes raven software which is uh the team that i think has kind of launched all this that uh 
initial like that initially was um pushing back because of how their qa was treated um it currently excludes them because i they say because they haven't said this but it's 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 thought to be believed it excludes raven software because raven software is in the process of trying to unionize right now so right it this comes across as like yeah this is a great thing but also there's definitely an intention here of like trying to sell a little bit of discord amongst qa testers and amongst employees of like this is something that can happen to you if you don't go with unionizing. I, I still like you're still going to have to fight for it. And like just because these pay raises has happened doesn't mean ABK stops what they're trying to do, though, either. Correct. Right. Like this is a good step in the right direction. But unionization is still like the end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a step moving towards things, demands you know, keep people working while you're moving towards these different goals, right? Um, $20 an hour is still a heck of a lot better than whatever they were getting before. Yeah. Like if $20 an hour is now the base, man, what were they getting before that as a base? You know what I mean? Like, like you said, $20 an hour, like you can probably, you might be able to live off that if you're living outside of the area and commuting far and like, this still there's plenty of there are blizzard employees who are talking about like yeah i work for blizzard and i live in my car like i work for blizzard and i am in a place with like five like almost six roommates like it's just because it's a higher wage which again awesome great improvement it is still not enough for security which is what the ultimate end goal is right is to be able to be secure in this kind of position there are retail workers who make twenty dollars an hour. And I'm not saying retail work is like the worst, uh, but as somebody who worked a lot of retail in his life, it's not the best. I've worked my share of retail. It's not easy. <laughs> it is not fun. It is not good. Um, quality insurance is something that makes like so important to these companies, and they don't give these people the money that they should, mm. and it drives me crazy. I mean, retail workers don't make the money that they should too. I want to make that clear as well. But if you're talking about like the skills needed to be a retail person and the skills needed to be QA, they're completely different. There's one is a lot more involved than the other. Mm. And you should not be on the same level or close to the same level as a retail worker. Um, there was kind of a bombshell that happened in April that like, okay, this is huge when it happened. And then we all just glossed over it and moved on. Um, California Governor Gavin Newsom was accused of interfering inter, I'm sorry, was accused of interfering in the lawsuit currently pending against um Activision Blizzard King. Um where is it? I got an ad on Bloomberg that's preventing me from reading all of this. Um but yeah, I, a top lawyer for the state of California has resigned accusing the governor's office of accused of interfering with the discrimination lawsuit against Activision Blizzard Inc. Um the Assistant Chief Counsel for California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing said in an email to staff Tuesday night that she was resigning to protest the fact that her boss at the agency had been abruptly fired by the governor. Uh, both lawyers had already stepped down from the Activision lawsuit earlier this month without explanation. A representative for the two empl- attorneys confirmed that the proctor had resigned and that um, Whipper was fired. The allegation and loss of the top two lawyers in the case raises questions about the fate of the lawsuit, which accuses the company of... Um, 
sexual discrimination and misconduct. Um, Proctor said in the email to staff that in recent weeks, California Governor Gavin Newsom and his office began to interfere with the Activision suit. The, the office of the governor repeatedly demanded advance notice of litigation strategy and of next steps in the litigation. Um, as we continue to win in state court, this interference increased, mimicking the interests of Activision's counsel. Um, they've claimed that the the governor's office has claimed that it's false, um, that they are that they are all for ensuring that it's a, a, a solid investigation. Um, where is it called? There is something in here where they talked about that they were in, like that. There's there's somebody on the Activision Blizzard board who had donated like a hundred thousand dollars or more, I think, to um to Gavin Newsom's um uh election campaign during like the um the recall voting or I guess the um the anti recall um campaign. I'm trying to find where in here I can find it, but I just want the article. Yeah, to Bloomberg load for is being me. weird. Um, yeah. Bloomberg's terrible. Um, Jason Trier, who wrote the article, isn't, but this, the, their website for Bloomberg right now is just being, I've reached my free article limit. What? But yeah. Um, <sighs> whatever. But yeah, uh, there's been, the governor's office has been accused of interfering in the lawsuit. Um, there have been ties that have been found from, I think, the ABK board of directors as far as people who have donated um, significantly to Gavin Newsom's anti-recall campaign. Um, it's pretty freaking sketch, if I do say so myself. Yeah, it's not good. I think that's easy to say, right? Like, are you serious? It, it's like, I don't know. It's hard to even come to words for, for something like this because... You have somebody literally quitting their job because of the interference that's happening, right? Um, resigning in protest, like that's terrible. Like that should never be happening. The, the fate of the lawsuit, like nobody knows that either. Like there's so much now that, that that's up in the air because of something like this. Obviously, they say they want to continue the lawsuit, but still. I, it was weird. It was weird to to find out like when the first two lawyers who were the original ones who were going to be the ones like prosecuting this originally when they went to a different um a different part of like the California because what it was I, I forget the two organizations. I, I always do this, right? But they went from one organization that was putting the lawsuit forward, then they went to the other one, right? And there's mm -hmm. the whole conflict of interest thing. And now now like stuff like this just kind of muddies the waters even more. Yep, it's um. Once again, not good. <laughs> it's not. It's just. It's like. Um, you know, it, the the sooner you almost want like the Microsoft acquisition to go through sooner rather than later. That's that's how it yeah. feels like to me. Which, by the way, there was um a piece of news that came out earlier this month where they talked about um. Yeah, you know, we haven't really discussed what like Bobby Kotick's gonna do after the merger. We really, we just, we haven't really talked about it that much. Like, well, we'll get to it when we get there. So, great to see that we are pretty much still in the same spot. Um, speaking of Bobby Kotick, uh, there's a tweet that came out from 
Well, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal that came out earlier um, in April that uh, Facebook, Meta, whatever you want to call it, um, that somebody um, in their executive department um, had pressured uh, daily, the Daily Mail, um, a news publication, to drop a uh, critical story of Bobby Kotick uh, during their time when she was dating him. Yeah, Chief Operating Officer of Meta Platforms, Inc., Cheryl Sandberg, is facing internal scrutiny over two occasions in when she pressed a UK tabloid to shelve a potential article about her then-boyfriend, Activision Blizzard Incorporated CEO Bobby Kotick, according to people close to the executives. Um, in 2016 and 2019, Ms. Sandberg contacted the digital edition of the Daily Mail, which was reporting on a story that would have revealed the existence of a temporary restraining order against, contact, against Mr. Kotick that had been obtained by a former girlfriend in 2014, according to the people involved with the article and the campaigns to stop its publication. My God. It's just like, it never stops, nope. right? It just continues. It just continues. It just never stops. It, 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 it's not surprised, yes, but, but at the same time, it's like, you know, what more, what more do we need to see that like Bobby Kotick should not be part of Activision Blizzard moving forward once the merger comes through? Like, I mean, what more do we need? He makes the money, though, Labosco. He makes the money, and that's justification enough for any of his actions. I'm. Does he make the money or, or do the He has the made products? the money in the past. And, and, and listen, I'm not saying that Bobby Kotick hasn't made smart, intelligent decisions for Activision Blizzard for them to make some of the money that they have. He was the guy what? at the wheel when there was money. I think you're, you're, I know that you're saying that in jest, but he has been important for certain decisions mm -hmm. by them. I don't think you undervalue, like, I don't think saying that he's just a figurehead. No, he is definitely is steered, the way to go about. He's it. definitely steered you know that I mean? company and made certain decisions that have been incredibly profitable for them. You look at like yes, from how from the growth of that company, its acquisitions, how Call of Duty has merged into like the biggest franchise gaming franchise in the world. Totally. Like like he has made things. He has made decisions that have made Activision Blizzard an Activision Blizzard. But just because he has, doesn't mean he should continue. Right. Just because he has made these intelligent decisions, just because he has done these things, doesn't. Doesn't over um, supersede the bad things that he has done, the, the the things that that have been hidden by him and by people under him um, by his order. To make the company seem good when there are things not going well, right? Um, it, from a person standpoint, not a financial standpoint. Um, he, if he were not working for Activision Blizzard today, he would not have to work ever again, right? He is not going to be hurting for money. He's not going to have any sort of financial problems the rest of his life. His children's children's children won't have financial problems in their lifetimes, right? So why enable somebody more to do potentially cause more harm just because they might make you mm -hmm. more money, right? That is where the problem lies that people need to focus on more than anything else, right? Um, I think waving away what he's done doesn't do that. Like focusing more on the what matters is the framework that we need to work. I agree. Um, because who cares if he's made them a lot of money? Who cares 
what decisions he's made that has been profitable for them. Yeah, they're there. Whatever. Um, you have to actually care about the people working there because like, like where, where's the morality in all of this? That's what I don't understand. Well, and it's people who feel as if they're above it, where it's like, okay, whatever. Like, if we'll just, we'll take the hit. We keep going as long as our, as long as things keep going the way we need them to. And it's horrible. And I'm, I'm right there with you. It's detestable and needs to change. But I'm still just incredibly surprised. I feel like the bar uh, like that you would have to cross, like you would have thought the Bosco that we would have crossed the point where like you, there's no return. You have to get rid of him so many times at this point, like blatantly publicly, you would think that we've crossed that so many times at this point. But how many people in power are there where mm -hmm. we have this, though, too? Like, it's not like Bobby Kotick's the first guy who's been in a position of power where, where we've had the same conversation over and over and over and over again about why are they still able to do what they do, right? Um, but here we are. You know, we're talking about another one. This one just happens to be in an industry that we mm -hmm. care about more than others, right? Um, I mean, you just think about how how quickly you know what it is it's like you you always just need that right thing to come out to really get things moving right something that gets people really really mad and maybe maybe we just haven't had that one thing yet that really hits the right nerve of enough people where it causes that public action like you think about um the la clippers right you know it wasn't until the video happens like it, probably anybody in the nba knew that what's his name was terrible Right. Uh, I can't even think of the previous owner of the Clippers. Um, his name's escaping me. I don't really want to remember his name anyways. Um, but the point is, is like you have guys in the same vein of Bobby Kotick who, you know, have held on to power mm -hmm. for far longer than they should have. Um, and it's just a matter of the right public attention to come to it where you force the hand of the people who are making the decisions that they have to think about the humanity of things more than the financial gains of things. Um, because unfortunately we live in a society where the financial gains tend to outweigh the morality of things. Um, not always, but more often than not. Right there with you. Some good news, at least to end on um, former blizzard Versailles employees uh, won an appeal over redundancies that led to their studio closure. Um, as reported by the French publication game cult, um, this means that former Blizzard Versailles employees are potentially entitled to further compensations equivalent to a minimum of six months salary. This applies to employees who choose to further to, to preserve further legal actions to contest their redundancy to labor court. Um, I'm not exactly sure what redundancy means. Wait, redundancy is about... Well, yeah, because they're they're no longer oh, needed. Oh, through the merging, yes. So, so basically, so so what they're saying is that that um, the redundancies weren't they were still needed. They there wasn't redundancies. So those who pursued legal action are entitled to a minimum of six months salary. Um, great. I think definitely. Like, Activision Blizzard has uh, shown that they are more than willing to uh, cut 
cor- to cut corners when it comes to taking care of these kinds of things. So any chance where people can take can take what they're what they need, go for it. Well, and it's like the you know this is one of those tactics that they do, and they you know they're not the only company that's done this. But you cut corners where you say you don't need these people when you're merging, but really what you're doing is is that they were at a higher salary than what you wanted to be paying a people in that position. So you get rid of the person who was merging because oh we ha- we've already got this taken care of, but really you're just going to put somebody else in there who is newer. You know what I mean? Like like, like there's ways around it, right? Like they. Companies do this all the time. It's nothing new. Um, they got caught, thankfully, and they're being made to pay for it, though. So that's the good news. Yes, sir. I think that about does it for episode 132. Anything else before we wrap up? No. Uh, I'm glad to see that there's some good news as far as lawsuit stuff. Um, I'm hoping we continue to get good news and not bad news, especially with everything that we're hearing about coming out with... Um, the uh you know the stuff with the the governor office of california that's kind of really kind of kind of lame um obviously it's more than lame it's just a little lame it's more than lame it's it's gross but it's it's one of those things where it's like you know it's all it's been at the back of my mind even while playing like the overwatch 2 beta like this stuff um that there's like still so much that like needs to happen with activision blizzard right like that the work is so far from done. we're like we're getting close to the year mark when when news came out you think mm-hmm. about that we're a couple months away now like what uh august was was the the month where it came out right yeah i think so i want right? to say that was oh we still don't know who the sponsors are for overwatch league this year right <laughs> we don't know anything and what the league starts in a few days there's one more thing we have to do though right like like we 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 still haven't you know, you made me fill out this tier list and like we haven't, you know, the league's starting and we haven't talked about this. All righty, Labosco. You know, you want to get out of here. I'm here to sort of rein us in and remember, <laughs> even though I'm talking like making my final thoughts about things. But like that's still always going to be at the back of my mind is, is those thoughts about a better ABK stuff. Oh, definitely. Um, so so like even playing the Overwatch 2 beta, like it still doesn't feel, you know. Like it, it feels good that the, it feels a little better, but it still not feels doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel as wholly good as we wanted it to be, wanted it to. I think, right? Alrighty, exactly. So, Bosco, do you want to give your do? So, I think we both we did. Did you do both, or did you just do the one? I just did it all as one. Okay, I um, I'll do... I just changed mine a little round a little bit. Okay, I have mine all as one as well think it should still be here did it not did it oh great did, did you lose it i might have lost it um no i have it. i have it right here i'm all good all right all right so so you said you wanted me to start why don't you go first okay so why don't you go from do you want to go reverse order we'll go from bottom to top i was going to start at the top and work my way down okay. Uh, but we can start at the bottom and work up. Um, so so I actually did this first on 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 tier maker and then I transferred it over into, you know, the nice clean looking one to do this. Um, so my bottom tier is called That's Rough. Buddy. <laughs> um, 
I didn't do like the S, the A, the B, the C. I, I gave them names. All right. So I'll tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you my tiers first. Okay. So, so my top tier is can win chip um, because in tier maker, if you type can win championship, it's too long. Um, so that's tier number one for me. Tier number two is contenders. Um, tier number three is might be, but might not. So this is the middle of the pack one. Um, it's also just so happens to be the largest tier um you know the, the the proverbial blob if you will um that that always seems to happen in overwatch league sort of like how if you're an nfl fan there's always like the blob of teams the teams above and teams below i just happen to have two tiers above this year i have two tier two tiers below um the the tier after might be but might not is not quite there um so there's some promising stuff on those teams but they're not quite there and then that's rough buddy which is the bottom tier so starting from the bottom and working our way up, uh, the only team in that's rough buddy is the Vancouver uh, Titans. And I, I just don't have a lot of faith. I don't. I like some of the pieces, but I don't like them more than some of the pieces on the teams just above them. And like continuing to go up, I think that there's still going to be a bottom team. Um, I just, you know, I, I hope that they're better than what I'm saying, but I just don't have a lot of faith. Yeah, understandable. Lots of veterans who've been around for a while. Um, that team could go places, but I'm not. I'm not betting much on it. Right. Um, the next tier, of course, uh, is the tier. Like I said, that I have titled "Not Quite There." I like some of the pieces on their team. This tier includes the New York Excelsior, Guangzhou Charge, and London Spitfire. They've got a couple players on all of these teams that I kind of like. Some of them I like a little bit more than others. Um, I think the Charge and Excelsior I like more than London. London wasn't quite that's rough buddy for me, but they were pretty close. Um, but I do think they have a couple of pieces that might surprise people this year, especially if they change to 5v5. So I think they'll be a little bit better than like a Vancouver Titan. Um, but I don't think they're going to be better than any of the teams in the tier above them. And New York and the Charge, like, again, I like some of their pieces. I just don't think they have as many good pieces as any of the teams that are kind of in the middle for me. Um, and the, the teams in that middle might be good, might not, um, you know, the, 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 the might be, but might not tier are the Florida mayhem, the Hangzhou spark, the Paris eternal Toronto defiant, Washington justice and LA valiant. Um, the valiant could be high. Like any of these teams, could maybe be in that next tier where they're contenders or they might be in that tier below where well, it's like, the, oh, I'm not quite this is there. the highest ranking right? I've seen anybody put for the Valiant. <laughs> uh, well, that's because people don't know, right? People don't watch contenders China. They don't know any of these players. I'm not saying, right? Think about, I'm think about saying, I'm not two years ago. I'm saying most people you know do I mean? not have the trust that you do. Well, I'm not even, how much trust am I even giving them? I'm putting them over two teams in their in their in 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 the in the East, okay, or or no one team in the East. So so how mm. much trust am I really giving them, right? Um, but I'm saying they're better than a bunch of the West teams, right? So so a little bit better. Um, that that's where I think they are. So of these teams, I, I the one that I feel the most good about is the Mayhem. Um, I think Paris and the Spark also have a chance here. Even Defiant, um, Washington, Washington is just such a crapshoot. It just felt mm -hmm. right to put them in the middle, right? 
like that's why there's this middle tier right because like you just don't know what you're getting it, it, this is the crap shoot um tier because one of these teams could be all the way at the top even but it doesn't feel right to put them in those other tiers when you're doing a preseason ranking um the contenders tier though like this is some of these teams i, I was having a trough t- trouble not mm. putting them in the top that they could win the chip um but it didn't seem right to put that many teams there because i don't think that that many of these teams really have proven themselves recently and you still got to see that little bit more for them to move up into that ranking so the soul dynasty the san francisco shock the Chengdu hunters the boston uprising and the houston outlaws are there and now i know what some of you are thinking Chengdu hunters in this tier and not in the tier above what are you doing Mm. they lost half their team that's what they're doing so like, like the guys who made me confident that they would be up there with shanghai are now no longer with the team. Sure, there's Gaga and Leave, which I think is still a very good foundational base, and they're still contenders. So they're still a team that I have a lot of faith in. They're just not a team that I see winning it all at the end of the year anymore. Not that they can't. That's why they're a contender and not a team that has a chance to win the chip. So um, I don't know if any of that looks bad for you. Uh, Ranking them in order was a little bit hard because like, Houston, Boston, like Boston, I could see being at the top of this list, also at the bottom. Um, that's why I kind of did it more tier like because it's really hard mm-hmm. sometimes to rank in the individual tiers themselves. But this this one, I felt pretty. I think it's on. a solid list. I mean, I think that there's a couple that have. I could understand where that we have the differences in ranking. Um, I know a lot of people have had Boston pretty low. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on why, although I think I guess coming from the idea that like that Boston doesn't have anybody that they would consider like elite elite quite yet. That's not necessarily a, they have the best overwatch player. What am I talking about? Wait, strikers played the game. Never mind. Striker is on that team. That is what people are forgetting. Striker is on that team. And guess what? DPS didn't get weaker in five V five. They got stronger because there's less to deal with that. Yeah. And now you have striker who now has more freedom to play DPS. How can you not think Boston is going to be scary just for striker alone? What was what think about like season one? What was one of the things that carried Boston? It was Mm -hmm. striker, right? And now you're in a similar situation in five V five. Like, come on this man. Like he is not that far removed from being the best overwatch one player in the world. He's not. Okay. I very quickly edited my list by one. Um, I'm not trying to convince you here. I'm just saying no, people I, need to think about I this. I've seen other people's lists team. and I've all been um, confused. All right. So <laughs> I straight up forgot. Yeah. That's so uh, I have London Spitfire going from bottom to top as my bottom team. Um, I just don't. Oh, I'm sorry. You have your I chip got one more teams, tier list. Right. I've got my chip. I've I've got my teams that are going that have a chance to win the chip. Okay, um, I don't think this should surprise anybody. Maybe maybe one of the teams will, but Shanghai at the top. Now this one I actually didn't feel too bad about the order. Um, Atlanta and Dallas could maybe switch places, and I'd feel okay about it too. But Dallas is too. That's a little bit of bias there, probably. Rain, Gladiators, um, and then at the bottom, but in this list to me is the Philadelphia Fusion, and this again, this goes to 
the way that Overwatch is shifting in 5v5, um, a guy like Carpe, you giving him more opportunity to be a DPS player? Um, yeah, that that's scary. That's scary. That's a good scary for the Philadelphia Fusion. Yeah, I think you, that's a pretty high ranking for Philly there. Um, Shock, I think, could be interesting. Shock, I could see being a chip, like a chip contender if everything works out. But yeah, that that's why they're in contenders for me, because it's just you're not quite sure yet. But again, mm-hmm. this is preseason rankings. All right. This is this is thoughts going into the season. When we're in season, this will How dare change. you not be 100% right right now? This is just from perceptions from what we know right now. And we have even less because we don't get to see what they're doing in scrims or anything like that or what teams are thinking. Um, and scrims don't really tell you a ton except for maybe what teams are thinking about playing. I actually, I just had a really... Th- dumb fun idea labasco i think that we should do next week after watching one week of overwatch league i think you and i should make our predictions for who's gonna win and who's winning all the awards the way too early predictions sure the way too early predictions of just like based off of one week of play we're entirely confident this this team is winning and this person's getting the award <laughs> that'd be funny um looking at mine slightly different um like i said i have london in the london at the bottom i just don't think that the level i don't think there's been any significant upgrades whereas almost every team has gotten a little bit at least a little bit better around them you think so um, you think vancouver is better than london just a little okay, bit so i just because i don't know if i agree with that because london i think has much better dps than vancouver Um. Shaxx and Sparker. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just don't see how anybody on Vancouver is able to compete with them. You know, Shockwave's great, but can Shockwave I say, against Shockwave? But it's only Shockwave. Aspire was pretty Aspire good. Aspire had what we saw last one year. game. He and had they lost two games. And they lost the game. He had they two lost games. the game. They lost the game. They lost the game. Ramsey's. That game, they lost. I, and they I'm not saying Aspire like is it. bad, but I think that Shax and Sparker, especially with how the game changes, I think, I think they might be better. How was Sparker last year for the little bit of time we did see? He was him? pretty good. Um, you also have to remember that London did beat Vancouver last year. Now they didn't have those two guys, but. I still feel more confident in London's roster. Uh, you're also forgetting that they added Poco, who I think uh, in Overwatch 2 becomes extremely valuable uh, with his play style. Um, I'm not as sold on their supports, but I'm not sold on Vancouver supports either. So, Yeah, I got London. I got Vancouver. I have LA Valiant and Guangzhou for my bottom tier. Um, I can see LA overtaking Guangzhou for sure. I think it's when you look at base level talent. Um, not that Valley doesn't have it, uh, but I think the combo of Eileen, 
And I think I'm a little bit more excited about the the trio of Eileen, Krong, and Molly. Granted, Molly, we have not seen very much at all, but I know the bits I have seen, I was decently impressed with. Um, Eileen has a pretty high peak. Krong has a really high peak. Um, I think it's enough to put them a little bit above Valiant, but not by much. Um, moving up a little bit higher, um, Hong. So my next tier of like kind of like the lower middle, um, I have Hangzhou Spark in 17th. Um, very talented roster. Very talented roster indeed. I have zero faith. I have zero faith in the management of this team. I understand they've changed coaches. Uh, I don't care. I have zero management until I am proven otherwise. <laughs> or sorry, zero faith until I'm proven otherwise. Um, I hope it works out because Shy deserves better. Uh, so does, I guess, so does Architect. Um, from there, I got Paris Eternal. Um, decent roster. I don't think we'll be able to move up that much higher from there. But like when you look at Glister's... Gliss is an incredible DPS. Naga has proven to be really good on a couple of heroes. Uh, Don and Khan, both players I really enjoy. Um, Vistola was great last year. Well, relatively great. Vistola played decently well for what he was asked to do last year. I think his team will do okay. Um, Florida Mayhem. I have these guys a little, like, I think a tiny bit lower earlier, but then just looking at, you got Exe, you have Kariv and Majid. Um, you have Checkmate, who was pretty good last year. Um, this team definitely could do really well if stuff hits. Um, I think the kind of the mismatch of the roster kind of is turns me off a little bit, but I definitely am. I think it's just more of a personal taste thing rather than a legitimate better than or worse than thing. Your personal taste sucks, by the way. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I mean, tell Houston Outlaws fan, Malasco. What do you think? yeah i should have known um, what am i saying right above them is new york um with pretty good roster i like i just don't i think i am still a little uh, about it being so i think it's still pretty bare bones from looking at it again i i think the yaki's incredible um i don't know if i love the having just him and flora as your two dps um and then Gangnam Jin, Myungbong, both flex supports I really like. I wish they had another main support. I wish they had a main support. Um, Boston Uprising, pretty solid roster across the board, um, along with Striker on that team. Um, everybody on that roster, from my personal opinion, is at least like decent. And then you have a couple people like Striker who could pop really high. Same with if Crimzo has a really good year. Same with... Um, Punk had some really good flashes last year as well. Um, Marvel, you people, you know that we're big fans of that guy on the show. So this roster could do really well. Um, I just Marvel though, I just don't know how he's gonna do as the only tank, right? Like his style is a yeah. little bit different. So that's that's the other thing I'm a little worried about with uh, Washington Justice on the strength of Decay and Decay plus Happy alone. Um, Vigilante's a freak from what I've heard. Um, I've heard that guy's really good. Um, I have not seen the footage, so I couldn't tell you. Um, but they're still wild oh, card yeah, no. though, right? Like, like, isn't that the thing though? Like they're just so like they could be, but they could also like 
how's decay oh, feeling we're gonna that make day? it like three weeks into the season before like the please somebody rescue mag mag messages come out <laughs> um toronto defiant again interesting roster um i think i would say i think i would say this one's a little bit better than what last year's um twilight hisu is awesome um hoppa is still somebody i think can play really well and bring a lot to the table um chorong i've heard a lot of really good stuff about i think a chorong twilight uh, support duo could be really good like really almost elite level good um not really familiar with finale or mute or although well no, i remember although from a long time ago and muse was all right i hope he gets a better chance this time um he kind of didn't have the show i would have liked to have had him like to have seen him have on gladiators um speaking of this team like hotba is like the guy who made me put them higher than i than i normally would because i think his play style fits more into what overwatch 2 is going mm -hmm. to go for like aggressiveness seems to be more rewarded in overwatch 2 than in previous games so that was always that was something I I've been looking at when I've been looking at rosters and their construction. Um, going into like the contenders area, um, I have Chengdu down here at ninth. Uh, I would love to see them swing higher. I really think that not having a Prita there. I think is that in Farway 1987 again. For like chip. if you had those two on um, the t if, if the couple other players were gotten rid yeah. of. Other than those two, um, I'd move them up above. Even higher than that, I'd move me. them up into the probably fifth or sixth place at that point. Um, got that. Uh, Philadelphia Fusion down here at number eight. Um, interesting team. I personally, I think I've cooled on Carpe a little bit. Per like, still incredible player. Definitely here, a Hall of Famer. If we ever here's have where one. people, um, I, I said, here's I think was, why I, people cooled off on him. What? Uh, he is not a tracer player like tracer is not what he's known for. It's his hit scan. Mm -hmm. And I think he gets to play that more in overwatch too. Between fury carpe, um, heard a lot of good stuff about MN three and zest. Uh, this team could be really solid. I'm not super stoked as like as, as a former aim God Stan. <laughs> Um, aim god's fine i think he'll do well i don't know if he's necessarily an elite level player anymore but he'll do all See, right this is where i think um, aim god fixa... thrives more because um i think again play style wise i think a guy like aim god fits more in this sort of version of overwatch than in previous versions right he's jacked i didn't also, know that he's jacked that's funny too. so he lifts uh you don't yeah, want to mess dude, with aim god dude lifts now um, <laughs> um um fury by the way where's the coolest I think he's another one where now that he gets to be the focal tank i think he shines even more mm -hmm. i could definitely i i think so i like there's some bias here um why i put him in eighth uh because if you can guess if they're in eighth then of course i have the houston outlaws in seventh um Mostly on the strength of Pelican, Lastro, and um, Piggy. I'm forgetting his name. Merit. 
Piggy's the part I'm concerned about the roster. Um, no, not who's the other um support for this team. Iris, I think Pelican, Iris, Dante, and Lastro. I'm super stoked. I think that team, this team, could be awesome. I have serious concerns about Piggy. But I think I honestly believe in Pelican being able to deadlift this team up until like into some pretty. I think you're thinking content, of old way tanks were for Piggy and not how tanks are now because again. Piggy is another person play style wise, I think fits better in Overwatch 2 than in Overwatch 1 because Piggy was a pretty aggressive tank, right? He was all over the place always, right? I think he fits better in as the focal tank, sort of like a Fury. I think the point of what you're hearing from me is that I think off tanks are going to thrive more in the way Overwatch 2 is going because of mechanical importance now on tanks. Like you think about the Orisa changes, being able to hit your spears and things like that, right? Um, Diva, just Diva how she is, has always been, right? Um, those aspects of tank matter more now than other aspects. Like positioning and stuff like that is still important, but the mechanical side has increased so i think people like piggy become more important and then san francisco shock at sixth i could see this team definitely punching up in like that content that championship kind of circle but i do have a couple like i'm just i think there's another yeah. i think there's the other a couple teams that are a little bit more solid than them fifth place soul dynasty um i think profit and fits get even scarier yep. in 5v5 yeah they're freed up to be more independent um fourth la gladiators um i would have liked to put them slightly higher maybe above maybe in a third place but i'm not sure i don't i don't really know what maids what maids coaching style kind of is yet we'll see how that goes but definitely on talent wise alone this team could be in top four top three for sure uh atlanta rain atlanta's well, kind of finally found it, it's it. face that now who's the, the coach for gladiators oh face my bad i always get face and maid confused um Yes, I'm not familiar with face as much, specifically with coaching. I, so we'll see how that goes. Number three, Atlanta Rain. Um, Atlanta really found it last year. They really kind of, they finally capitalized on a lot of different things that we've been wanting them to actually do. Um, this team is stacked and you get speedily near the end of the year. I'm super hyped to see what happens with this team. Dallas Shield, number two, and Shanghai Dragons, number one, still. I think those two are the easiest ones to pick, definitely. But, um, yeah, I um, I mean, just I we'll see how it goes. I definitely am more than willing to be wrong. I've been wrong on plenty of things. But. I think um, I think I I I we we our top fours are the same. Um, mm -hmm. I I really could see Atlanta being number two though, or even Gladiators being number two. Um, I have a little bit more faith in the Gladiators than you do, apparently. Um, I'm a little surprised that, that you don't have a little bit more because like, again, uh, space in, in the, the way that tanks are now, man, like, I think that that's a guy who's going to absolutely thrive in the way that it is uh, funny Astro and shoe, I think are going to be monsters and skewed also as that third guy. Oh, on skill alone, this is right. why they're in top four. If I were just a little bit more acclimated with how face works, I okay, put it. So you're three. more going on the coaching. I, I don't yeah. I don't put as much weight on the coaching yeah. aspect as you do, I guess. Um, for me, it's usually more about the talent. Um, I think coaching is important. I just don't put as much value on it. Um, I do think you're undervaluing the talent of the L.A. Valiant um, 
because there are few hit scan players that are as talented as Dia. Um, there, there are there are few players who are are going to be in that same echelon as him. Um, innovation might be the best Sombra. Uh, he's a really good Sombra, if I'm remembering correctly. Innovation's a good player. Um, Becky's a really good player. Coldest, I we're actually going to get to see him play. I'm excited for that personally. I think that's another talent player that is being undervalued by a lot of people. Um, Sasen as well, a couple others too, but but specifically Dia, Innovation, Coldest, and even Langsa too. Like Langsa is a better player than I think people give him credit for as well. So I think that there there's a lot of talent being under underappreciated on the LA Valiant. And I think that they're going to be a surprise team this year. Like if, I, if there's a team that people are going to be shocked by, I think that's the team more than anybody else, especially after hearing like your list and seeing a lot of other lists with where people put the LA Valiant. They are a more talented team than people are giving them credit for being. Um, and I, I don't say it's a disservice. People just don't know that region. So it, it's understandable, but I, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm excited that that ends up probably being the case. Well, we'll check it next time. We do have to wrap up. We're 15 minutes over. And we usually try to go for an hour. So we're way, way, way over. But we'll see you guys next. Last one, you know, last one before the season starts. I think we're allowed to be a little. We're usually really good on time. So Uh, tell that to our editor. (laughs) Um, Usually, I said. Usually. But thanks for hanging out for episode 132 of Push the Point. We appreciate you guys. Um, Best way you can help out the show is just leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, whichever you like. Let us know what you like, what we can make better. And we always, whenever we get new reviews, we always try and scope them out and read them out here on the show. So let us know what you think. Um, Labosco, what's the best way of supporting the podcast network? So the best way to support the network is by joining us on Discord, discord.me slash mash those buttons. It'll keep you up to date with your favorite shows from the network, a few of which you're going to hear about right after we're done. And, you know, something I haven't posed to you yet, but, you know, we haven't done game night in a while. Um, I was thinking about it. Because, you know, I've been having a lot of fun doing some of these sort of game night styles things that we've been doing, pugs. Um, maybe we'll bring that back soon. So just something to look about. So another reason to join the Discord, because that'll be the place it happens at if if we do decide to do it again. So um, discord.me slash mash those buttons. Join us there. Patreon.com slash mash those buttons. A little as a dollar a month and you get access to Patreon exclusive content. Uh, the Patreon has been undergoing a um, a change though so that is changing it's going to be more about supporting shows directly i believe so i don't know if it's completed yet i think it might be um but i do know that the, that was happening so still go to the patreon still support anyways um every dollar that helps the network out is a dollar that is deserved for a guy like ja who makes all of this possible and then uh push the point at push the point is the uh push point pod got at push point pod is the twitter so go there or push the point at gmail.com if you want to email us yes sir and you can follow us on twitter at labosco and at ramsey's underscore ow thanks for hanging out for episode 132 of push the point we appreciate you uh we'll see you next week actually we'll be covering the first week um and stuff will kick up a little bit more as we get into the season itself so thanks for hanging out with us for this whole long arduous off season we're excited to be covering the league again we'll see you soon
Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at Mash.gg slash Discord. 